the big announcements we made a couple weeks ago on our church service, right at the end of our legacy planning series, was an announcement that Dan Burrell, Dr. Dan Burrell, is I taking... I prefer your holiness. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to use weird titles. <laughs> is the Dr. Reverend Dan Burrell, Daniel Burrell, is going to be taking a new position at our church and it was it was met with so i think a lot of enthusiasm a lot of excitement i and i didn't get a chance to go into it a lot of detail um but this is a this was a significant uh step for for our church and for you yeah i i hope what it really does um is i hope it sig- sends a signal to the families of life fellowship that we take generational transference of faith seriously. Absolutely. I, I hope they see it as a sign that the elders of the church believe that this needs to be a priority mm. during this generation. Yeah. So I, I want to take this episode to ask you some questions because I think people want to know, you know, what, why, why this, why now? And I think, you know, I'll be able to share a little bit more um, background on how this even came, came about because this was not just a, Hey, we had this idea, and two months later, it happened. I mean, right. this has been kind of, uh, you know, percolating for about a year now, and I think yeah. it's as it's Full as, six this months, idea yeah. has been developing in our hearts and minds. Uh, God really shaped it about, I would say, really concretely about six months ago, and then it just has happened so that that you're you're taking this position. So, um, I, I'd love to hear just from you. Um, we're, we're gonna, we'll start with where you're at now. We'll kind of work backwards. Why are you excited about this position of next generation family discipleship? Well, for for me, it's the culmination of a journey. I mean, first of all, I want to say I'm appreciative of the opportunity. Mm. You know, at 61 years of age, um, I can see the finish line. Mm. And that's that's something that's a little hard for me personally to deal with Mm. because the guy I see in the mirror and the guy that I, you know, talk to in my head are two different people. <laughs> um, I, I don't feel any less energized about ministry. I don't feel any mm. less energy personally yeah. than I ever have. And then I look at the mirror and say, well, what's, what's grandpa doing there? <laughs> um, but to say all that, I, you know, I have to deal with the reality that at 61, the, the finish line is within view. I don't mm. want to be the guy that everybody's like, how long is this guy going to hang on? I, and But I also want to finish well. I want to finish um, meaningfully. Mm. And that's important important to me. Yeah. So, um, you know, for some time I've been wanting to kind of change the focus of my ministry uh, away from process and back toward people. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, where, where most people start their ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like details. I like process. I, I like planning and organization and administration. Mm. And I can do that, um, you know, without it being a huge energy drain on me. Mm. But at the same time, in a hundred years, uh, nobody's going to say, man, that was an amazing calendar you put together. Or, <laughs> wow, that budget was just awesome. Yeah. Now, those are tools that are necessary. Yeah. But um, in a in hundred years, the only thing that matters now that exists today are the souls of men and women in the Word of God. That's right. So I wanted to spend the last phase of my ministry, whether that's five years or 15 years, um, involved more with the souls of men and women. Mm. And, and then, you know, on the other side, you have to recognize that God has us, all of us on a journey and he gives us experiences and expertise in areas 
for a purpose, uh, whether I like it or not, over over the course of my lifetime, I've had a lot of opportunities to work with children yeah. and to work with teenagers and to work with young parents. And, you know, my proficiency in, in my academic area as in those areas uh, with three degrees in education. On top of that, for Liberty University now as a professor there, assistant professor, associate professor for 17 years, um, you know, my title is uh, family, disciples, uh, family discipleship subject matter expert. So it has been my job, literally, to mm. research, you know, what works in families yeah. and and so forth. Um, and and I will tell you in my own journey. When I was in my 30s and my kids were real little, I used to travel the country doing marriage and family mm. seminars. Mm. I had one that literally, you know, I, I probably sold ten thousand copies of it. It was mm. um, raising beaver cleaver kids in a Bart Simpson world, and then later mm. it, it, that aged out and it was raising <laughs> beaver cleaver kids in a Beavis and Butthead world. <laughs> and it, I just keep changing. Yes, I was going to say what, what would now, I use now? Now you say fun- raising Bart Simpson kids in a. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I don't even know like the the, uh, the the level of 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 dysfunction that exists today. But oh, yeah, it, it's you know, we, we, there it's are stunning. things. I mean, it's crazy when you think that now Bart Simpson is kind of lo- looked at as a kid's. Well, he's actually one of the the brighter one brighter yeah. bulbs in, in, in <laughs> no kidding in the bin. Yeah. Um, so um, and then you know you know in my own journey last year, uh, you 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 took me with you to a trip to Austin, mm. Texas, where mm. we were talking about gospel saturation. Mm unexpectedly to both of us, that conversation started emerging around mm. the fact that we're almost doing a better job of reaching the culture around us than we are the culture that exists within the church in terms of families. Yeah, that's like saying we get, we were getting a D and there's an F. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's the truth. So, and I was invited into this, um, you know, this informal symposium uh, conversation mm. with some of the leading experts on family discipleship from around the country in Nashville last July or August, and I've spent spent time meeting with them. Um, some of the people that were literally in that room have resigned their positions to focus on this. Yeah. When 85% of the kids growing up in our, in our evangelical churches are walking away from the faith permanently, that's mm. a problem. Mm. And, and so we're brainstorming. And make a long story longer over, you know, as I was reporting this to the elders, as we were talking about the dilemma, as the Lord had laid upon you and the elders' hearts to consider family renewal as one of the priorities mm-hmm. of this gospel saturation, uh, then the conversation kind of shifted and the Lord led in some of the elders' lives to, to ask me if this is an initiative yeah. I'd be interested in in, in raising. And, and I think it's important in transparency to, to realize this. Um, you know that eighty five percent rule is 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 true in my own my own home. Yeah. You know, um, the 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 reality is that I had all the answers when I was in thirties and discovered that all those answers were not correct answers. Mm-hmm. I had answers, but they weren't the right ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's far more complicated than we than yeah. we have purported it to be. And in addition, the culture has changed so dramatically that we need to just kind of stop and rebuild from the ground up. And so over the next uh, however many years that I, you know, here, here's the reality for me. I will not know, I don't believe, whether or not the initiatives that that I hope to see implemented and be a part of are going to be successful because I probably mm. won't live that long. Mm. Because we're talking about a fifteen to thirty year trajectory. That's right. That's so right. Thirty years, I'll be ninety two. I'm. Yeah. Uh, you know me well enough. <laughs> I ain't going to be around. Come on, time. Dan. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. <laughs> but 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 um, you know, by faith, you know, we got to start somewhere. Yeah. And so this that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I I love. I want I want us to go back. I want to he- people to hear your heart because I think one of the things that 
um, I, I know you is there's this is a passion of yours, mm-hmm. not just because of your experience and your history and your knowledge and your insight, um, but I think God has has orchestrated all these things together for this moment. Uh, I want to take us back to that to last summer when you and I took a trip to Austin, Texas. We spent some time with the church that by every metric in that you measure church, they are doing well. Mm-hmm. They're they're a you know they're a me- mega mega church, and they have planted over forty churches, and they are um, they're doing a really good job of reaching the people around the city. You know, training their people, um, and and there's a lot of things we learn from them. But one of the things that they they were saying, and a much more ex- mature expression of the kind of church we want to become. They were looking down the road 30 years and saying, man, we missed the family piece. Mm. Like the family piece was something that they are just now really leaning into because they're saying what they're saying is the 85%. We did a really good job of planting 40 churches in our city and and reaching, you know, thousands of people that that are now followers of Jesus. But the next generation coming up with within not only their church, but all these churches are like, they're just not following Jesus. Right. And so there's something about the discipleship of the next generation that we are swinging and missing on. We've had we've had episodes mm-hmm. on this, right? Mm-hmm. On youth ministry and and um it is the great uh we know that we know that discipleship for the next generation is not necessarily a an equation. There there but there are principles that we got to get back to. But it was that trip that you and I really came back with and we said, "Man, this is What's beautiful about meeting with a church like that is you can learn from their, I wouldn't say mistakes, but mm-hmm. you can learn from the things that they're saying. They're waking up 30 years down the road saying, man, we wish we'd have done this 30 years ago, but we're just now working on this. And they're pouring all their a lot of their energy into that. It's great that for us, as we are just now beginning to lean into some of these changes we're trying to make as a church to say, hey, we get to do all of these at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so when we hit this the, the drawing board is saying we feel a great need for this idea of, and we were just going through the series on Babylon, right? Thriving mm-hmm. in Babylon, and so we're, we're we're all of us are aware of of the Babylonian culture that feels like it is it's rising, it's gaining more influence in, on our young people. We're feeling it, we're sensing it. So there's something spiritual going on. We're learning about this. And for us, we just felt this incredible burden to say, well, what are we going to do as a church? Are we just going to be like, well, we hope you parents figure it out. Or are we just going to keep, I mean, we could have sermon series and we can have podcast episodes all day long telling people they need to do a better job, but you got to do something about it. You know what I mean? And I think that's where... That's what a lot of this came came out of as well. Yeah, and I think the church has to be in a position where we're resourcing our parents as best as we mm-hmm. can because parents are going to need resources and they will find resources. Yes. And in the absence of good biblical and, and, and scripturally based resources, they'll go somewhere else where it isn't biblically based. Yes. It is pop psychology yes. and it is, you know, the woke idealism of, of you know, cultural Marxism that, that we see so dominant today. So we have to make sure that that we're doing our part in in providing leadership to homes, but also providing community. 
And Absolutely. one of the things that the research that I've already started reading is, is that a sense of community, both for the children and the parents, is mm. essential mm. in being able to see the kind of results we want to, to do. Mm. And it's not just enough to be uh, a member of a church or, mm. uh, you know, to listen to uh, Focus on the Family once a week or, mm-hmm. or whatever. It, it takes more than that. Yes. And so that those are some of the aspects. And, and quite honestly, I don't know where my research is going to lead right. me. I don't know where God's Spirit is going to direct us. Um, it, it's it's too early, and maybe by the end of the podcast, I kind of I want to kind of give some timeline yeah. on that so that people within Life Fellowship have reasonable expectations. But I would I would simply say this: doing nothing is not an option. Absolutely, and I think that's what both of us feel. Both of us feel like this is an opportunity that God's calling us to. And I know you said this is kind of like the, the final chapter of your ministry, but magnum opus, magnum opus, <laughs> absolutely. But but for me, I'm looking at this as well and saying. I want to be able to say we did everything we could hmm. to equip families, to empower families, um, to to surround them, to support families, moms and dads and single single dads and single moms. You know what I mean? Like what, what, no matter what the family dynamic that they know, any family and that, that it's a part of this church, uh, grandparents, aunts, uncles, they are going to feel like they they are educated, they are resourced. And like you said, there's a community around them that they don't have to figure this out on their own. Because yep. I think I think parents feel incredibly alone in a lot of their their stances because the the because the goalposts have shifted so so far to the right or whatever wherever you want to call it. We can't assume that the most basic things. We were joking last night. My daughter. Uh, we had a family birthday party. My daughter just turned eighteen, and I can't believe my youngest is <laughs> now an adult child. Um, uh, but but we 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 always love telling stories of when our kids were younger. And Hallie used to say this thing. Uh, she go up to my 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 wife Liz when she was a little girl. She like, "Mommy, we are girls and we are not boys, right?" You know, she, <laughs> she would just say that. You know, because every you know, dad and her two older she's brothers. By she's like, we are girls and we are not boys, right? And she, mom, Liz would be like, yes, we were girls and we're not boys. And we would laugh about that. But what's scary to me is like, can you imagine Hallie today mm. saying that to the wrong mom? Mm-hmm. How how ground shaking that could have been to that little girl? Well, if you want to be a boy, you could be. Like that is mm-hmm. that's a, first of all, that's a lot. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lie from the pit of hell. And to me, that we can't assume anything anymore. Right. And so the amount of energy it's going to take for us to be vigilant and to be purposeful, you can't lean on anything culturally to make sure that the the, the biblical framework and worldview that you hope your kids will have will be there. Yeah. And that's one of the early conclusions I'm drawing um, is, is this. <clears throat> the culture has shifted so much within families and in the broader culture. The solution is not exclusively within the family, but we have to expand our definition and at the same time narrow our definition Mm. of the culture, which is why, you know, we were saying, well, what are we going to call your new title or whatever? And, and, And a lot of times it was, well, we should be the family discipleship pastor. And I've rejected that. I want it to be called the next generation pastor because by saying family, it implies, well, it's for moms and dads and boys and girls. And it's beyond that. 
I mm. think in if we're going to make a difference in the culture by seeing the next generation come to Christ and then live out their faith all the days of their life, it is going to have to move beyond simply the family. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm not a big proponent of the it takes a village issue, but the spiritual family is the broader mm. church. Mm. And I don't, I don't want people to think, well, because I've never had children or because my children are adults or because I'm a widow or separated or single or whatever, that I have no role in this. That's in right. fact, I think you have a great opportunity right. to make a difference. Yeah. And so that's going to be one of the, I believe, the changes in perspective that comes with um, a new strategy yeah, for this. Absolutely. So with the remaining minutes we have, um, first of all, I think everyone needs to understand this didn't happen like March 1st. This right. is this is something that we're, because we're waiting to shift you into this new role, we've got a, we've got a backfill. We've got to hire an executive pastor. I explained mm-hmm. this during our family family meeting night. We're going to hire an executive pastor to, to take off some of my responsibilities, your responsibilities, so that you are free now to do this this uh, new effort. Um, but once that does happen, walk us through what what's the process look like in your mind of how how we're going how you're going to lean into getting getting ready. Yeah. So <clears throat> basically, I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm doing some general reading and yeah. so forth. I just don't have the bandwidth right now to do what needs to be done mm. to add that to my plate. Absolutely. Um, and and for some time, I've really, you know, literally for five plus years, I've tried to move out of the executive pastor's position. And because of a variety of circumstances, I haven't been able to mm. move fully out of it. I've mm. moved somewhat out of it. But still, the primary uh, administrative responsibilities mm. end up on my desk. And, and they are such that... Literally every day, you know, whatever plan I have for the day is likely not going to happen because calamities and emergencies and personnel issues and and so forth. So once that gets moved off my desk, all of the budgeting, calendaring, finance procedures, human resources, risk management, all that stuff, then I, I... I was supposed to take a sabbatical six years ago. ago. Yeah. Well, six years was my last one. I was supposed to take it three years Mm -hmm. ago, and I haven't been able to take it because Mm -hmm. of COVID and staffing and Mm -hmm. so forth. I I need the sabbatical. And the reason I need the sabbatical is because those are designed for us to be able to give our attention to a specific um, elder-approved spiritual target. Um, So when I did mine six years ago, it was for missions. And Mm. our missions ministry has never been the same. Yeah, it's been wonderful. So I need, you know, five or six weeks where I can just read, study, plan, dream, pray, all those things. And come back with a plan to present to the elders. So that that will be the first step. But then the implementation will have to be gradual because it involves basically four areas. It mm. involves children's ministry, student ministry, which would be tweens through high school. Mm-hmm. And then it involves young single adults, uh, which would be, you know, your college age when a lot of the kids do the dropout thing. Mm. And then it would involve nearly married, newly married, and young children parents. Mm. Mm. So that, you know, the first five to 10 years of a young couple's life together. It's so important. So there's really four facets and four phases hmm. of family that I'm going to be focusing on. And each of those are going to need both an, a, a separate agenda, but an integrated agenda That's right. yeah. because they build on each other foundationally. Mm. Mm. So that will take some time. Mm. Um, and then we use the small, medium, and large concept of, mm. you know, uh, of approaching something. So what does it look like on an individual basis? What does it look like on a small group basis? And what does it look like on a community basis? Mm. So we, we have to do 
those strategic mm-hmm. plans. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, in my head, I see all, you know, I see these <laughs> Zen diagrams and all these, you know, different, different things and, and, and trip, you know, the rule of threes and mm-hmm. um, how all those parts get put into place. I don't know. Yeah. But it's important to know that if you are a member of Life Fellowship, don't don't expect something to be happening this May. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at, at the same time, I am now in connection with other churches who, in, in a couple of cases, the lead pastor has resigned to take this on. Um, and, and so the, the goal, the aspiration would be that we network with others so that we will make our own mistakes in this and have our own successes in this. But let's build on other people's successes and avoid Absolutely. other people's mistakes Absolutely. at the same time. That's great. Well, I'm... I can't tell you how excited I am that that you're doing this, Dan, because I think there's no one else that I would prefer. When we decided for this role, um, I think it was Craig Barrett, who was our who's our, our elder chairman, who I think it was maybe a week or two after we had decided for this role, he goes, I got the perfect guy. And he's like, Dan Burrell. And I just, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't think about that. But the more I thought about it, the more we, and this, we prayed about that once, once we had brought that in to you. I think we prayed about this as an elder team for probably three or four months, yes, right? So yes. it was not something that we decided quickly or, yes. but, but it was, it was definitely something that I think that God revealed to you and revealed to us. And, and I'm, I just am thrilled that well, you're it's, it. it's very humbling and I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm excited about what God is doing in my own life. Mm. I, 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 I want to add to this you know, this is not part of my retirement plan. It's not an exit strategy. <laughs> um, I'm still going to be teaching yes, um, yes, every absolutely. third week or so. Yep. Uh, I'm still going to lead missions. Yep. And I'm still going to be working uh, alongside of you as closely absolutely. as you'll have me. Yep. Um, because, um, you know, after this is my 13th year in this ministry, hmm. um, and and I care about every generation That's right. in, in there. So, uh, and to some extent, that part I hope doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, but it is just a focus away from process and toward people, specifically families. Absolutely. Well, if you have any questions about what this role is going to be, again, it's we're we're in the we're in the baby stages. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's uh it's not yet fully the vision's not yet fully developed, but but the desire to what we want to see happen is is definitely there. So if you have any questions, come see me or Dan. We'd love to talk with you about it. But but I hope that you will do this. We're asking you to pray right now that God would bring, first of all, the right leadership uh to the executive pastor that we're going about that we're going to be hiring. Um, but that God would begin giving Dan and the other leaders in, in our church the wisdom, the vision, and the understanding that we need to make sure that we're going to do this right. And so um, we feel humbled by this great opportunity, and we just can't wait to serve you as the church uh, in this new and exciting uh, way of ministry. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Life Talks. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.